there's always something fresh and, I don't know, inviting about the first day of spring after our wet autumn, then winter, and now spring. It just makes you feel a lot happier or, you know, I don't know, it's just a spring in the step today, so to speak. Urge, do you find that as well? Yeah, spring is always um, brings about a level of optimism and uh, I feel like as the days get longer um, and I have a little bit more time in the evening with my family, yes, I do feel a little bit more chipper about things. And you're not looking for the um, thinking, oh, it's going to be dark soon, it's going to be dark soon, you know. It's still a bit chilly, but uh, as you said, you know that uh, sort of the coldness is we've put it behind us and we're outside more. Yeah, it's one of my favourite things about living here in in Melbourne and and Victoria is just how marked the seasons are. You know, I've come through, you know, a a really marked change in the last couple of weeks where the cold is not as biting and the days are not as grey and I just feel, yeah, like so much more is possible. And what is possible is the outdoor classroom, now that uh, the days aren't as cold. What does that actually mean, the outdoor classroom? Well, an outdoor classroom has got so many possibilities. Um, And key to that, I think, is just setting up little um, environments, like little corners, nooks and crannies, cubby houses, sand pits, balance beams vegetable gardens, a worm farm or a compost or chickens if you're lucky enough. There's just so many things that we can put in our outdoor classroom which allow us as educators to really engage with children and their hopes and aspirations and also their fears and, and maybe some of their, their clumsiness, you know, their, their, um, the way they move and their coordination and we can really um, assess what's going on and what sort of um, programming we might need to put in place to really help them um, move forward. It's interesting too because, um, you know, I grew up with a fairly big backyard and yet now it's not a given that uh, everyone does have a big backyard when there's more apartment living and things like that. So, you know, family daycare, what you're talking about, maybe something new to a lot of um, children because they're not used to having that space in the back of a house. Yes, and there's the, you've got to really work a bit harder if you've got a small space. Now, there's some amazing um, things. If you do your research, you can just maybe jump on Pinterest or, or even Google Images and just have a look at, you know, um, small garden spaces uh, or city gardens or something like that. You'll come up with a huge range of, of opportunity and possibility. But as educators, we might have to work a little bit harder and our outdoor classroom incorporates the local park um, or a, a walk along the, the um, local nature walk or um, down to the, the local reserve because um, that becomes so important in terms of children identifying with place having an opportunity to really observe and to see, to pick up sticks and leaves and to to be out there in nature and also to really run and to move and to move in multiple ways. So not just walking and running, but uh, tumbling and chasing and flying kites and uh, playing with balls and um, climbing on um, climbing frames and and the park equipment. So there's just so much that needs to be um, assessed and, and need children need support with when we start looking at the opportunities in an outdoor classroom. 
So what would you be looking at too with uh, children to see that they really either enjoying that outdoor classroom or they're, you know, a bit hesitant about it? I haven't met a child yet that doesn't enjoy being outdoors. So often we find when, when children, particularly if they're anxious or they're um, they're going through some separation anxiety, just putting them in the stroller and going outside and all of a sudden their focus and awareness goes from from you as the educator or the other children in the room to, to this vast world where there's birds in the distance and there's wind and there's planes flying overhead and there's, there's the sound of traffic and, and there's the smell of different plants and different trees. So just being outdoors and having access to all those different um, sensory opportunities instantly changes the way a child is and it helps them to regulate. And Uj, just by the way you described that, I think you're one that absolutely adores being in the outdoor, <laughs> outside. Oh yes, um, I look. I love bushwalking, so um, I love putting everything in a pack and going for a hike overnight, where you just carry everything on your back. I do really enjoy walking the dog. It's something one of the favourite parts of of my day is being able to go out and just just be myself and to wander and let my thoughts unwind. So being outdoors is something that is, I think important for all of us um, and how we we create those opportunities in the daily routine and the daily schedule for our children is is paramount. Of course though in today's society um, you know we love to in the past run around and just be free as you spoke about but in that indoors and that classroom, it's more confined, especially for accidents. Like outdoors opens you up to so many different areas of things that could go wrong. Most of the time, we overestimate danger. Now, I've got to be careful. I don't want to be reckless, right? We need to strike a very fine balance between um, embracing danger without being reckless. But you'll find, like in your garden, anybody, if you look outside in your garden, you're going to have um, retaining walls or sleepers or rocks or pebbles. You're going to have some kind of line between the pathway and between the garden bed. And that's, you know, a natural place for a child to want to balance. They're going to want to stand there with one leg or try and tiptoe along it or walk with two feet. And these create enormous risks in terms of them falling. But we also need to see a child as competent and capable. And what you will notice is that when one child walks along that, that rock wall and they find a, a stone that might be a little bit wobbly, is they will turn around and tell the child following behind them, be careful. And they start to kind of regulate amongst themselves. So yes, we're not reckless. If it's a high wall, you want to be holding their hand. You don't want to leave them to themselves. But if it's just like a little bit off the ground and if there's not, nothing in the fall zone, if they're not going to fall backwards and hit their head on anything sharp, um, then you can uh, stand slightly back and allow them to experience what uh, they need to to be able to accomplish that. So we can't make our environments safer or more sterile than, than the real world. So there's something in, kind, in applying this real-world test, which is what dangers are out there all the time in the park. You know, sometimes those playgrounds are very high and they look very dangerous, but children hang on. You know, they have this uh, instinct for self-preservation. 
doesn't mean I'm not spotting them and standing underneath if they're really little and they're going to fall and hit their head. But it's recognising that children are competent and capable and if they are given the right instruction and shown in the right way, they will um, conduct themselves very safely and appropriately. Interesting when you're talking about that, I, um, it reminds me of, I think it was a poem, Everything in Life I Learned from the Sandpit. There's so much you can learn in a sandpit. Like, I've just seen them used in so many different ways. You can pluck flowers from the garden and make mandalas. You can um, bury the hose in there and make a volcano. Um, and by turning the hose on and shooting sand and water everywhere, you can um, build castles with moats and rivers. You can make tracks for cars. There's just so many things that are happening. And these are all happening for a reason. You know, maybe dad has a construction company or, or maybe mum's an interior designer or has her own construction company. But you see the children kind of reenacting these things and these conversations that they hear at home in the sandpit. And also in the garden, though, what would be your favourite place or, you know, with kids um, that you've seen and with perhaps educators uh, coming up with ideas and things like that in the garden? I've come full circle on this. I, I think that rather than a favourite place, I think that there are some key ingredients which make up a good classroom environment. You need to have shade, right? You can't be in full sun. Kids need to be protected from the elements. You need to have a sandpit. You know, there's just something that happens. There's magic that happens when you add sand and water. It doesn't matter what other ingredients are, there's magic in the sandpit. You can bury um, little... Uh, treasures or beans and and kids can go on treasure hunts they will comb through the sandpit for hours looking for for treasures i think you need to have a swing or a slide just something for rocking you know children they they really regulate themselves they come to their own thoughts uh it's exhilarating being pushed fast you know when when they've when they're helped by by another adult so um swings and slides and and monkey bars um somewhere to hang somewhere to hang upside down, um, to pull up. You know, we're increasingly losing our upper body strength as, as we uh, evolve into this world of technology. So uh, it's really important that children have that, that uh, opportunity to, to pull themselves up and to stretch their stomach muscles and their, their upper arms. So, um, and having a bit of space where they can, they can move around freely, whether that's um, pushing a bike or, or carting a wheelbarrow, being able to do cartwheels or, or roly-polies, um, just, just having that space. So you, you begin to build this picture of, of some core ingredients. And then as an educator, when you start thinking intentionally, you can start adding and subtracting ingredients from that space. And that's where it really comes alive based on the particular interests of each child. So when you talk about each child, we could be talking about children from um, different age groups as well, but also, uh, you know, their personalities are different. Does the garden allow there more that interaction and acceptance with the differences? There's a role for everybody in the garden. So um, if it's set up with enough uh, learning stations or enough um, opportunities or ingredients, then 
you know, the child that wants to play by themselves um, in the sandpit or wants to go and collect flowers and leaves and twigs and bark and make mandalas or use your, your prunings from your apple tree to build a cubby house or a teepee. There's just so many different things that can be done. So it really is that great opportunity where you can really just let them go and let them play in an open-ended way and they will find their centre. They will, they will do what they need to do in that moment. At Ignite Minds, what you've done, Uge, is uh, taken a theme a month and uh, gardening comes up as one of those themes. How have the educators and the children and the parents all reacted to that? Well, this is the first time round that we're really um, providing this theme and this theme template for our educators. So um, the first time around this year. But what we're hoping to do is really provide a, a, a bit of a spine and a bit of a springboard. And being spring, um, the garden is a really perfect opportunity for that because we've got animals having babies. We've got plants growing. We've got opportunities to plant seeds and to water seeds. We've got... Um, there's just so many opportunities. We can go to the library and we can get books on plants and, and all their different colours. We can look at all the different animals. We can learn the names of their animals and their babies. We can learn to move like those animals. We can dance like kangaroos or hop like frogs. You know, so there's just so many kind of creative and imaginative things that we can do when we think of a theme like an outdoor classroom. So uh, it's also something that both educators, children and parents at home can do because it's easy. We've uh, got a garden, whether it's uh, we bring a small garden in or we're in a bigger garden. Yes, I really encourage anybody to really enter into that playful space with a child. If you see a child playing in a sandpit, just um, abandon time for as long as you can afford. 15 minutes, an hour is even better, but just be in that space and hand them things, uh, dig, scratch around. Don't force the play. Don't make them play your game. Um, Just parallel play with them and just see what happens and really enter into that imaginative space because it you begin to see um, what is possible and and some of the ways that the children are processing their world. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ude.